You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, producer Darren here. Last week we heard part one of McIntyre's guest appearance on the Business Method Podcast with Chris Reynolds. This week it's part two. We're going to start right where we left off. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks again. Hey, this is Michael McIntyre. And right before this podcast begins, I want to give you a reminder, or some of you don't even know, we've got a next level experience coming in June 10th, 11th, and 12th, right here in Big D, Dallas, Texas. It's intense. It's amazing. It's Holy Spirit filled. It's not for snowflakes. Listen, if your life is working, that's who needs to come to this next level experience because it's about taking your life higher. You probably have that burning desire saying, you know, I know there's more for me. The Holy Spirit's dropping this on me. I feel that God's telling me there's more out there, but how do I get unstuck? How do I get out of this place where I feel mediocrity will come to next level experience this is not a conference this is three days of intensive and of experiential learning just the same way you kind of learn how to ride a bike and it's all about relational spiritual financial business and physical so come on in it starts at friday june 10th at 2 30 and goes to about 9 30 p.m saturday morning it begins at 8 a.m and goes to about 9 30 p.m sunday morning about 8 a.m. to about 9.30 p.m. And guess what? Cost you no money up front. How cool is that? At the end, if you want to bless us, great. And pay it forward. So come on, check it out. Go to themichaelmcintyre.com and apply today. It's going to fill up. It's going to be cool. Oh, and if you're a snowflake, don't apply. This is for eagles wanting to fly higher and not flock with the turkeys. So come on, get after it. Hey, enjoy this podcast. It's a killer dealer. God bless you. And Jesus is king. Amen. Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. There's so many questions I have. <laughs> <laughs> The billionaire is a new millionaire, right? Or a billion dollar company is a new million dollar company. Like it yeah. seems like there's million dollar companies everywhere and that's just not yes. right. And um, did you ever think on that trajectory that you were going to hit a billion dollar company? No, I never did. I never even thought about it to be honest with you. In fact, I didn't even figure it out until later and added it all up, but I didn't No, I didn't. I, you know, in fact, I remember, uh, during the building phase and into the Gatsby phase, I remember quite often, you know, we were, you know, we were doing about 10 to 15, $18 million a week in sales and we were setting records and I never thought much about it, Chris. I really didn't. I didn't think, wow, look at me. I just wanted, I just said, you know, let's keep pouring it on. Let's keep pouring it on because what I, what I got excited about is how much people made working for us. Yeah. And watching these salespeople, get wealthy. That's what excited me. I, I loved handing out, you know, checks to people, you know, $20,000 checks, $30,000 checks for a week's work and sales. And that's what, that's what got me excited. That's what I really loved. I never sat down there and said, I want to create a billion dollar agency. That was never in my vocabulary. I didn't even think about that. That wasn't, 
that wasn't there, you know. What was the, was that then the prime motivation of helping other people become successful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we created 175 millionaires in our company, and wow. and I I really enjoyed that because it it was life changing for them. You know, I knew how much money changed my life. You know, uh, and how it you know affected generations, and it was generational wealth I created, and I wanted that for other people. I wanted them to be able to have that. And this is before, you know, uh, I became a Christian later in life, but uh, this was before then. But I, but I still like to have giving of that and giving those people that opportunity. I love to have, I love building the platform, Chris, for people to get up there that were going to be, you know, maybe uh, a misfit anywhere else, and they could they could come in and be a star with our company. Right. Um, Starting, like knowing what you know now, starting over, you probably get asked this question, but you know, it's worth asking again, uh, knowing what you know now, and he, say you were starting from zero, would you, would you go into the insurance agency business? What, what would you, what business would you go into? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, today, I, you know, when I coach these entrepreneurs, I said, man, you've got it so made. I'm so envious of you all, you know, to be, to be 30 years old and have, the opportunities these 30 year olds have is just, Chris, it's incredible. Right. It's never been more easy, easier, more lucrative, more uh, fast paced ever to make a million dollars, to make a billion dollars ever in, in the history of our time, in my opinion. Um, but they go back, they go about it the wrong way so often because all they're looking at is the glitz and glam. They're not yeah. looking at the, they're not looking at the grind. So like when I get, when I do get, when I do get a, you know, a 30 something in here, you know, that's got his business is struggling, trying to figure it out. And if they submit to the process <laughs> and I say that yeah. they've got to submit to the process. One of the things is they're already good. They're already, they're already, you know, you know, they're, they're Tom Brady in the making. They just, but they think they're already Tom Brady. And that's when, that's what they've got to, they've got to say, okay, let me check my ego here so I can cash a check. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, but I love finding those, those guys and gals out there that, that get it and say, okay, I'm going to submit to the process under a master. And when you submit under the master, then you can really go because, you know, it's, it's so easy to make money nowadays. It's just amazing. It's kind of a lost art, isn't it? To to I mean, those are those are controversial words of themselves. Submit to a master these days, it seems like. But um, what's that book uh, that talks about? I think um, Paulo Coelho wrote it. Um, oh, I think I know what you're. The Alchemist. About. The Alchemist. Yes. Yes. And and there's also another one about like seven principles of getting rich that there were written and around, well, or they were written later, but it was about, um, the, the time, the, like pre 1700 in Ar in Arabia. Right. Yeah. And it was common for a, uh, apprentice or a young person mm -hmm. to get a master, to learn That's a trade. Right. right. And right. their job, um, the most successful ones learn the trade and then, and, and they did that with a very open mind for a really long time. Right. Yeah. And, and I've done coaching and consulting before too. And it seems like one out of 10, uh, clients will be really great at listening to, uh, you know, keeping an open mind and listening to the master. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and what are, some good tips uh, that you would give to the listeners out there. Yeah. If they're getting consulting um, or coaching, 
what, yeah. for them to kind of really stay open-minded and, and, and check their ego so they can get the best results possible? Good question. Yeah, I think, you know, coaching, everybody's a life coach nowadays, business coach, <laughs> and gurus, you know, everybody and their brother. And what, what I tell people is this, look, there's a lot of great coaches out there and there's a lot of great mentors and, and uh, look for the fruit in their life. And what do I mean by that? You know, what have they been successful at, right? Do they have a successful marriage? You know, have they been married or are they single? Uh, and it matters, you know, it just depends on, you know, where, what you want out of a coach, uh, you know, are they financially sound and have they had a you know, successful business and have they had several successful businesses? And, and so I, I tell people, look for the fruit in their life and, and then interview, you've got to have a chemistry with your coach um, or your consultant. You've got to, yeah. you know, people, I, I, people have hired me just to come in there and, you know, fire everybody, you know, and that's fine. You know, uh, I, I, you know, Firing people is a great thing for them. It's better for them than it is than the company letting them go. So, uh, but I think it's 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 something that you know if you're seeking good consulting or good uh, coaching, look for the fruit, look for the referral, look for uh, what it is that you want to get in. And then once you get in there with that person, submit to the process. And I, you know it's the process, and the process is something. It the process is supposed to be difficult. Okay. All of this is supposed to be difficult. It, it's supposed to be hard to make millions of dollars. It's supposed to be hard to start a company and grow it to a profitable, uh, you know, margin to where you can, you know, pay for your kid's college education. It's, it needs to be hard. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth anything, you know. Uh, and so, you know, these things, you, you, you find somebody that's done it before, that's blazed the trail, that's got, got the rooms. I, you know, I often tell people that, look, you know, learning from your own mistakes is, is a wise person, but learning from other people's mistake is genius. Yeah. Right. And so you want to find somebody that's lived life, you know, that's filed a tax return or two that understands what it's like to be audited by the IRS. That understands what it's like to go out and borrow a couple million bucks and lay awake nights trying to make payroll that understands to try to get things, something from zero to $500 million is not going to be easy, but it's going to be a grind. And it's like when I cut, when I do coach uh, a, a young entrepreneurs that have family, I get the wife involved or the husband involved and say, Hey, this is going to be a family commitment. This is a family affair, right? This is not going to be, he's going to go out there and work and you're going to sit home and just hopefully he makes it, or he's, she's going to go out and work and you're going to keep your day job at Starbucks. No, this is going to be a family affair and it's going to be everybody all in it's all in all the time and if you're not ready for that grind and that commitment then it's not ready for you you know uh because you you to be an entrepreneur a successful one you've heard the saying you know you're going to work harder than anybody has worked for the next five years so you can live like nobody else can live for the rest of your life yeah and there is some truth to that but know this if you are a true entrepreneur or a business person okay once you tasted that first blood that first million or that first hundred thousand whatever it is it's your number okay you're going to work like this the rest of your life in my opinion because it's fun it's yeah. exciting because you can create something from nothing and whether you know if you're you know for a believer like me i get to glorify god with that and help other people but even if you're not you can do good for other people because you cannot take it with you unbeknownst to a lot of people it does not fit in yeah. the coffin and they won't let you take it and so you want to be able to create more because we live in a system that the matrix is so beautiful it you know velocity begets velocity and that's how our money grows m1 and m2 and so when you do that it's awesome but it does take it does take a commitment find a good coach find somebody you know i like to find people who have the same you know belief system that i have 
uh, and you know, I've been coached by Jewish men. I've been coached by uh, non-believers. I've been coached by believers since I became one. And so, but it's important, you know, to find somebody that you have a like-minded with them. And generally within, you know, I, I you know, people say, I want to co- have somebody coach me that's, you know, five years older. I would say you need somebody at least 10 to 20 years older that's had more life experience than you. I think that's yeah. important. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, have you heard the it all goes back into the box story before. <laughs> no, but, but it's in, in like in parallel to what you were talking about, but there's a, it's a really good YouTube video where this guy's talking about how his grandmother taught him how to play monopoly. And, uh, she would always beat him growing up. Like she was a, she was a master at it and he played so hard for so long, um, to try and beat her. And he never could eventually he, I think he went away to high college or something and he kept playing and kept playing. He was just really motivated to beat his grandmother at, at Monopoly. And so he comes back from school and he plays her and he beats her and he's ecstatic. Like he finally beat his grandmother at Monopoly. And, um, she goes, he goes, I've learned the mastery skill of, of monopoly and commerce. And now I'm ready for the world. And she goes, no, you're not because there's still one more lesson. And he goes, what do you mean? She goes at the end of the day, at the end of every single monopoly game, what do we do? And he goes, well, we just put all the pieces and put it back in the box. And she goes, exactly. At the end of your life, after you play the commerce game, the capitalist game, the entrepreneur game, your st- everything is going to go back into the box. Your body, your the history, um, all the things that you have, it just goes back. And it was never yours in the first place. It's a really good yeah. lesson. Really wow. good lesson. Yeah. I um, love that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd like to talk kind of briefly before uh, we move on to like some other mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The process of you, did you, so you worked with the, when you exited, the company went public and you worked with them as they were going through their launch to go public? Yeah. So uh, we were, our agency, we had uh, the company that we were working with, the insurance underwriter was American Equity Insurance in Des Moines, Iowa. Very successful now. Uh, And I helped get it started. I put the first hundred million dollars in this company and a great company. And so we launched, we were supposed to take this thing out and it was supposed to go public in 2001. And obviously we are, you know, we were really, we were all down in New York, uh, on, uh, September 9th oh, and, wow. uh, I left, uh, I just had come back from Hawaii and I was tired. I had my kids with me. And so we flew back to Dallas and the companies, all, all the company and the attorneys and all that stuff, they were there. They weren't going to launch it that week. Uh, but it was, uh, we were going to launch it by the end of 2001 or 2002. Obviously it got delayed. Uh, and then uh, they, I, American Equity IPO'd in uh, 2003. Okay. And yeah, we were instrumental in that. I got to be on the floor uh, wow. in New York City, and that was kind of cool and kind of fun. And uh, yeah, that was all good. Uh, made lots of money, which was all good. And watching that whole process was very humbling and very fun. And I watched, you know, it, it's a lot of work. It was probably more work back then maybe than it is now. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the company's done real well since then, but yeah. And so then I, uh, started, uh, in 2006, I started looking for, uh, suitors after a GE pulled out of their offer. I started looking for other suitors and uh, I found a couple and, uh, put the deal together. It took about uh, three months to finalize it. And, and then, uh, it was a two-year payout. 
Okay, that makes sense. Um, and did you go immediately into uh, consulting, coaching, or or what'd you do? Yeah, yeah. The first year, I was kind of depressed, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I hear that a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the the you know the fantasy of going to the beach all the time and hanging out and drinking scotch and smoking cigars. Although I did some of that, uh, which I enjoy a good scotch and a good cigar. But I did, I didn't, you know, I didn't just go to the beach right away and hang out. It was kind of everything came to a screeching halt. It was kind of like, you know, you're running at, you know, hundred miles an hour for, you know, 17 years and all of a sudden it stops. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing to have happen. And so it took me about a year to get adjusted and get, get my sea legs back in order. And, um, and I had, a, I had a pretty good transformation during that period of time, which was really a lot of fun and good. And then I started doing consulting and I uh, started doing coaching and from the strangest places that came. And I didn't really, I wasn't really looking for it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Somebody approach you and they're like, Hey, would you, yeah. <clears throat> you know, they, I, yeah. And it's fact that, you know, uh, I'd have these small companies, you know, say, Hey, listen, I saw that, you know, you came in and doing some business over here. You know, we'd love to talk to you about, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're trying to figure this thing out and you know, how much do you charge? And at first I didn't charge them anything. Cause I thought this is, you know, why should I charge you? And this is like, you know, me, you know, waking up in the morning, this is easy. Yeah. Um, but then I found out what I found out, Chris, is real soon is, is if I didn't charge people money, they didn't do it. They didn't take it seriously. You yeah. know? I would show up in a meeting and they would be 30 minutes late. Well, I said, this is BS. I'm not playing that game. Mm -hmm. So I started charging them money. And guess what? They showed they up. Showed up. Yeah. <laughs> they showed up. The more they pay, quite often, the more accountable they are, right? Like, Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's exactly right. The more yeah. you pay, the earlier you show up. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny how that worked. And they actually followed my advice and my assignments and yeah. and you know some of them you know did extremely well i had one company get to uh 500 million dollars in revenue in two years yeah it was really really awesome so you talk about po poverty mindset a lot mm -hmm. and um it's a thing that plagues us uh and it can for our entire lives whether we know it or not and i think that's why a lot of people um you know, do get to a point when they make a significant amount of money, then they spend it. Um, I don't want to say irresponsibly, but, um, irrationally, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a better word. And, um, and, and so it kind of haunts us unless we work on those internal programmings around poverty mindset. So what, what are some tips for the listeners, Michael, that you could give, give them around, um, overcoming and changing their mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great question. And I think there is a lot of, you know, I, I do a lot of work with, with, with some churches and stuff and there is a big poverty mindset in the church, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, I always say, look, you know, the good Samaritan wouldn't been, a, wouldn't been famous if it weren't for money, right. They had yeah. to have money. And so money is important. And a lot of people, you know, especially believers are in the church or even, you know, they think that that's not really a, a, a should be a big deal. And I, I just don't believe that. I think, you know, when people say I can't afford it, that's a negative mindset. Right. Uh, my mother taught me early on is to say positive affirmations. You know, one of my affirmations when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 was like the only difference between me and a millionaire is while he's working on a second million, I'm working on my first. I like that. And, and I would say that constantly, constantly, day, every day, you know, the, I would always, you know, the more I give, the more I receive, the more uh, I'm willing to let a lot, of, I'm willing to let large amounts of money make my life be easy. These are positive affirmations. Pew Research said that 87% of our self-talk is negative. Right. Yeah. I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too ugly. I'm too skinny. I'm too bald. I'm too hairy. I'm too, you know, I'm too poor. I, I have 
you know, I don't have a college degree or, you know, I have no friends or my car is like, we keep saying these things, you know, about ourselves constantly day in and day out until we start believing it. And so it's really important that we put positive things in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So how, you know, if you don't have friends and let me just tell you, speak to the audience out there. If you don't have friends that are speaking life, positive life over you, if they're not telling you how good you are and how great you can be and that your dreams are amazing, if they're not supporting you in that, then brothers and sisters, find new friends. Yeah. Okay? You, you cannot, you cannot soar with the eagles if you're flocking with the turkeys, man. Get away from those people. You know, you only have a few people to be around you and you're really good, close friends, really good, close ones that won't judge you for making mistakes, but will support you in your efforts to get to where you want to be. So I always tell people, you know, choose the people, your friends, your friends and the books that you read are the things that are going to make a difference for you in the next five years. Mm -hmm. And you find positive books. Positive. I like true stories. I do. Uh, I like motivational books. Uh, I, I love Jack Welch books straight from the gut. It's a masterpiece. Um, you know, I, I cried when he pulled out my deal because I, I just love Jack. Well, uh, well, well, yeah, you know, uh, but he's great. You know, uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great, another classic one. I think it's a great book. Uh, it's got real good practical stuff. Uh, in the Pit with a Snowy Lion, uh, In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson is another great book. These books really inspire me. Uh, the other things that that I tell people is is watch positive movies. You know, don't yeah. go watch the junk. Don't be going watching the you know you know the gratuitous sex stuff and the and the in the horrible language and the you know the, you know the the drug stuff. Go watch positive movie. Pursuit of Happiness. What a great movie that Will Smith did. King Richard. Another great Will Smith movie. These things are positive influences on us, and so I like those things and then keep. And find people that's going to say, hey, listen, McIntyre, that's not smart, but I'll support you in how you get to that place. I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. Positive influence, positive affirmations. Uh, you know, if I, you know, listen, I've been broke twice. Stacy and I have been broke twice. I mean, broke, broke, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and look. And we didn't like it either time. I want it's you to not know fun. That. I've been no. through it too. It's not fun. Yes. Yeah. It, it sucks real bad. And so, and I, I, I rather have, I like, you know, I'd rather pay the IRS a million dollars than be broke. Okay. And I hate paying the IRS anything. So, so paying them a million dollars was a big moment in my life. And so I get it. And, uh, but with that wealth, it comes responsibility. And so I think it's really important that iron sharpens iron. You need to be around positive people, people that are going to support you and, Listen, you're worthy. You know, first of all, the, the fact that you're breathing right now and living and listening to this, the odds of you existing are one in 200 million. So you've got that going for you. You beat the odds. If you're living in the United States of America, you beat the odds also in one in 190. Okay. So you're blessed. You've hit the jackpot, as Warren Buffett said, just living here in the United States of America. That's something to be grateful for. The other thing is we live in a time 2022 to where we live better than Solomon did. You know, just on our phone here, you, your access, you got access to 35,000 of the best music in the air that's ever been written in the world at your fingertip. You know, you've got the best clothing, you've got the best transportation, you got the best technology ever. So there's a lot to be grateful for. So, you know, that poverty mindset, all you have to do is start saying, hey, I, I'm not going to buy that today. Not yet. OK, I'm not going to get I'm not going to go to Cancun yet. 
I'm going someday. Get you a dream board. Put up that Cancun. Put up that Patek Philippe. Put up that Rolex. Put up that Maybach. You know, whatever it is that you want. I like material things, okay? But I, I'll tell you this. My neighbor, my late neighbor, Ross Perot, told me, he said, listen, Mike, he said, you know, material things are a lot of fun. They're great. But they will disappoint you because they break. Yeah. That changed everything for me. He told me that back in 1992. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Cancun right now. Actually, just down the road. Just <laughs> I love Cancun. I love Cancun. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one other thing I, I kind of want to talk about, because I think this is important, um, is handling conflicts with close relationships. And I think it's important to build any size of business, but also manage your life um, with your family and your friends and those close friends that you attract or get rid of. And um, we had, do you know who Chris Foss is? I do not. He was, he, he wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. Oh, wow. uh, I like if the you, title. Yeah, and he was the FBI's lead uh, international negotiator, uh, hostage negotiator for twenty years, and okay. and he, he talked. This, this I'm leading up to something, but he was he was talking about um, instead of PTSD, you have PTS growth, where mm. right, and so whatever traumatic uh, experience you had in your life, there's also an incredible growth opportunity on the backside of it if you bring yourself up. Now, um, one of the things I, I liked about him is because as a negotiator, you have to handle some of the most difficult, conflicting conversations in the world. And if you can move through those, the growth through that is really important. And I know you talk about this a lot too, handling conflicts within in close relationships. What's your strategy uh, when a conflict comes up with either somebody in your family or in the company on how to move forward with that? Great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my company, I'll refer to that first. In my company, it was always, <laughs> it was funny. I learned this early on because it got real boring with hearing how everybody, you know, was PO'd about somebody else and what they did or allegedly did, right? So, you know, somebody come in with their hair on fire because, you know, Jane, you know, knocked over their computer and, you know, kicked them in the head or something, <laughs> something stupid, right? And so it was stupid to me because I really didn't, if I cared any less, I wouldn't care at all. But I knew that it mattered to them, yeah. right? And so they would bring this stuff to me. And I guess I just always had that. I never... I never tripped over those things. I never, I, I always call it, you know, picking up uh, pennies as if they are manhole covers, in my opinion. And so, uh, but they would come to me with this and I'd say, okay, so finally I learned, I said, okay, get, let's get Jenny in here and let's get Penny in here and let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's get everybody in here on this conflict, right? So, you know, she unplugged your computer and kicked it down and, you know, you fell and bumped your head. Okay, what happened? Why did that happen? And then 99 times out of 100, the story changes. Yeah. It just changes. And so when you have people all in the same room or on the phone together, you know, if they're in different states or different offices in these conflicts, and I've been in mediations before and lawsuits, and it always changes when, when everybody's in the same room. It just does. Uh, so I would, I didn't mind conflict. I didn't mind that. I thought it was healthy. Uh, the other thing we would do is we would do a clear the decks. And like when I, I'm with companies, one of the things we do now is we do a thing called clear the decks. And uh, so we get all the, generally we get all the, you know, the management team in a room or on a retreat somewhere, uh, anywhere from, you know, four to, you know, 40 of them. And we set up ground rules and the ground rules is, is everybody gets to hold on to the football. Uh, literally we bring a football and while they're holding on to the football, they get the floor for 15 minutes and nobody can say anything. 
Nice. And they can say they can say literally whatever they want to say. They can cuss, they can swear, they can do anything except hit somebody or throw furniture. They can do whatever they want to do. Okay. And so we this is called the clear the decks. And I've done it with several companies and uh, hundreds of companies. And every time the CEO comes in there and says, listen, this is going to be really good. I think we're very open company. I don't think we have any issues. <laughs> I say, okay, listen, uh, listen, <laughs> are you a praying man? If you are, I want you to pray yourself up right now because uh -huh. you're going into the lion's dead, bro. And one, another, the first thing is I want to say, you've got courage yeah. right? and uh, you're going to need it. And so, but what it does do though, Chris, is it, it, it is unbelievable what the ROI is on that one day event. And uh, I've done it with big families. I've done it with big companies. I've done it with small companies mm. and with churches. And it's amazing what happens in Clear the Decks. Um, because nine times out of 10, it's misunderstandings. And the other thing it is, is people don't know where they're coming from. They didn't know that somebody, you know, has had cancer in their family for the last five years and they've had to take care of them. They had to move in to their bedroom and deal with this stuff day in and day out. They, they just don't know because because we're always trying to protect ourselves and we're always trying to be something we're not. Yeah? yeah, we're putting on the mask. So in that kind of conflict, I love working with companies in that aspect. And it's part of the consulting and coaching. But then when I had my company, just to deal with that conflict or deal with problems, I would just bring all the parties in. And unless it was me, if it was me having a problem with somebody, then what I would do is I'd bring a mediator in because I knew my ego was very fragile. And I say that, you know, sincerely, because uh, I had to deal with rejection issues growing up. You know, my parents got divorced. And so I knew that I had some issues and I didn't want to bring that into the market, in, into my business. Um, and the re main reason was because there's money involved. It mattered what I said. It mattered how I performed. It mattered what, how I treated people. And so I bring mediators in and I always didn't like the result or the outcome, but I, I had to grow up and understand that. With family, with re with my you know marriage of thirty six years, look, my wife and I have had rough patches all through it. Uh, back when the business was growing during the during the Maverick and the Gatsby years, I mean, we were busy. That's why I had a jet. I had forty offices. I mean, I'd hit five offices in one day and be. I'd leave at four o'clock in the morning. And I'd get home at eleven o'clock at night. Uh, I wanted to sleep in the same bed, right? Uh, I'd have to get, I'd have to have two sets of pilots because they could only, even on a private P91, I, I, they could only do like 12 hour flights. And so I went to extraordinary circumstances to be home at night, but it was good for me to be like that. But then, you know, I was a CEO at the office. And when I came home, I was the garbage man. Right. And that was a, that, that in the early days, that was a really tough transition because I'm making millions of dollars. People are all telling me how great I am. Then I come home and I don't have that same I don't get that same response. Right. So that was an immaturity factor that I had to grow up in. And it did create conflict with my wife and I It did create conflict in, in a lot of ways. And so we dealt with that. Uh, and we, we dealt with it in many different ways. One of them was it would finally be have a knockdown drag out fight, you know, and, and they have our own version of clear the decks uh, with a lot of tears and jeers. And so but by the grace of God, I got through that period of time and I watched some other people and I did get some mentorship uh, to deal with that because, you know, when you come home, you know, uh, you know, like, as the Bible says that, you know, you know, you, you treat your wife as, the, as Jesus loved the church. And so it was a it was a big transition for me to die and be sacrificial of that situation, because 
I did work hard. I was very successful. Money did come in big, but I worked really hard. And so when I came home, I wanted that gratitude and that attitude, but it didn't always happen because there was, a, there was three children here. We had three daughters. And so she had her own thing to do. And so I had to learn how to respect that and honor her in that process. And so we got through it by the grace of God, but it wasn't always easy. Uh, that's incredible. I, you know, what I really liked about you and your personality is that, you know, all of the things that you've done, and I've always been an optimist, a realistic optimist, that you're, you're incredibly positive and sometimes overly positive people get a bad rap, you know, and in, in any industry that they're in. Mm. Um, but you're like a really great example of, you know, that, that positivity really working and how we can use that to change our lives, to grow our businesses, whether you're building a, a small company, a small business, an internet business, or, or, or yeah. just using that in your life. And I, I really you. appreciate that about you. Yeah. Thank you for the acknowledgement. Yeah. We're going to wrap up there, Michael. I think that that's an yeah. incredible podcast. Um, before we finish, is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with any place we can uh, find you to check out more about what you have going on? And any, anything yeah, else? I've got, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> my staff told me, make sure you show the book. Next level life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Next level life. Yeah. It's available at all bookstores and amazon.com. Uh, and so, uh, also, uh, you can go to, uh, our website, of course, which is the Michael McIntyre.com, uh -huh. the .com. We've got our things there and we've got coaching and, and consulting and all that stuff and check it out. We've got next level experience that we put on uh, about four times a year, which is a, uh, a live event, which is incredibly intense and amazing. And uh, we have a lot of fun. We have major breakthroughs in that. Well, you know, I always tell people, I guess the biggest thing I want to leave people is look, don't be afraid to step out of the boat, you know, biblically referenced. Uh, don't don't be afraid to take a chance because your biggest your biggest breakthroughs, your biggest opportunity is on the other side of that biggest fear. Yeah. And one of the things that holds most business people back, and I coach a lot of people to say, hey, you know, I've got, you know, a couple million dollars in my 401k. I want to cash it out and start a business. It's great. But I'm scared. I said, okay, that's great. It's good to be scared. Okay. But let's just not be stupid right? Scared's okay. And scared kind of prevents you from putting your hand on a hot stove. So let's avoid the hot stove and let's, let's go down this. But sometimes they never pull the trigger because they, that fear overcomes them in that process, or they go the other way and, and, and be, you know, totally irresponsible in that system. So what, what I, what I like people to know is look, everybody gets scared. Everybody gets into fear. It's how you handle it. If you push yourself through that, in my opinion, your biggest breakthrough is on the other side of that fear, relationally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially. So I hope that helps somebody. Absolutely. I, I guarantee it does. Okay. So we've got, uh, we'll put the links in the show notes, the michaelmcintyre.com, and then we'll put your book in there as well, Michael. Awesome. Want, thank you. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. And <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity, Chris. I love your podcast and congratulations. And enjoy Cancun, bro. Oh, I will. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.